Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm your host, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast is special guest Joey Franklin. How's, how are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I'm excited to be talking about the movie we're talking about today. Yeah, me too. My friend Joey here. Uh, if you look at the, te- the technicalities of this podcast, he's not really allowed to be on this podcast because, first of all, <laughs> man is a senior in high school. And also, man is going to our rival school. <laughs> WSU. Oh, no. Uh, you know, but we are good pals. We're coworkers. We are good pals. We are, we are recording this podcast together nonetheless, because we don't care what anybody thinks. I, I kind of have a, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sympathetic towards rivals in a lot of way. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I still think Wazoo is a great school during the Super Bowl. I was rooting for the 49ers. I do not give <laughs> fuck. I love the 49ers. Uh, I that guess was a great I'm, game, by the way. It was a really great, great game. Bowl. Oh my God. So the fourth quarter was hectic. Uh, yeah, I'm oh. sorry that, that that lost, but that was a good game. Sorry for the L. Uh, <laughs> took a fat L in that last quarter. Um, but anyway, uh, what else has been new? I don't know how much we've really talked recently. Yeah, um, soft, uh, not sophomore. The first semester of senior year is done, so that's <laughs> exciting. Yeah. The home stretch towards graduation. Oh yeah. Scholarship stuff getting done, all mm-hmm. that. Good stuff. I don't know. Not too much. Just working. Yeah. Chilling with the boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crack, cracking open a cold one. When was that? When was that? I mean, years ago. Cracking yeah, open I a think, cold one with the yeah, boys. Probably two or three years ago. Oh, my God. Well, Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> What's the newest meme right now? I don't even know. Um, World War Three ones kind of die. Kind of the coronavirus memes. Oh, I, I suppose. But they, I haven't those, seen those it. Are I haven't seen also. it. Oh, the Nancy Pelosi ripping up the Trump speech is the that, new that, that's been a, That's been a, a very recent format. Yeah. I watched that live. That was fantastic. You watched that live? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was just a mess of a speech. Yeah. I'm, we shouldn't get too political, but... Yeah, no, I suppose not, but... Um, yeah. yeah. Polarizing. That's what we'll say. Polarizing. <laughs> um, so, I think we should just get into it. Hop into the movie? I think we should just hop into it. Let's do it. So the movie that Joey decided to bring to us today is a movie I believe is one of your favorites, your favorites, yeah. your all-time favorites. Uh, and I watched it initially a few weeks ago uh, because Joey had, had told me about it and said it was really, really great. Uh, I've heard some other people say it was really, really great. Uh, this is well, – and then I watched it again today <laughs> as we were recording this. And this movie is George Lucas's – Star Wars George Lucas's – Second ever film, American Graffiti, which basically is just the story of a group of high school kids on their last day of summer trying to grasp on to everything in their past yeah. before they move on to the next stage in their lives. And um, I think it's really good. I, I think I it's really, it. really good. Yeah. And Nick, now that I'm getting to that point in my life, you know, where I'm 17, almost 18. That time is coming really fast for me now, leaving for college for the first time. So, like, mm-hmm. watching that, I'm like, I totally get all of you guys. Like, all the characters I sympathize with, and I totally understand their dilemmas and situations and stuff. So, I mean, it means a lot more to me now that I'm in their shoes. Mm-hmm. For sure. No, I – this would have been a movie that, that I think really would resonate with me. Uh, if I if I had seen it my senior year of high yeah. school, or if it, if it had been in my life at that point, because uh, it's it draws a lot of parallels with 
for in, in a way, this is kind of like the godfather of the modern like coming of age film in a way. I can see that because I can't I can't really see a. a uh, I mean, I'm not like super big on my like 50s 60s film history. Uh, this came out in 1973, but um, I can't think of a, a bunch of really notable coming of age movies. And then after that, especially like in the 2010s, you get movies like Lady Bird and you get like Edge of 17. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of the elements and embellishments in this movie are, are, or in those movies are sort of due to what this movie did in a way. Yeah. I think the, the relationship between, especially the dialogue between, uh, Steve and Laurie, are, it's, it's like spot on. Yes, 100%. Yeah. A bunch of friends who kind of act like that way in their relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a friend last year who ended up going to the Marines, and his girlfriend, they had a big fight. They are like, oh, we're going to go to college. Like, I'm not going to go. So it's like mm-hmm. the whole thing of, should I stay or should I go? Has right. been an element that I've seen happen multiple times with mm-hmm. the whole, like, do I stay for my girlfriend? Do I go to college? And do we split, 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 do we split up? So it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to watch the dynamic play out. Because it changed like multiple times over the course of the movie, like what they decide to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, and, and it really sympathizes with like that teenage melodrama. It doesn't. It's not judging the characters for feeling a certain way. It's it's very much just like accepting of like this is what they're going through, and it's valid what they're going through. Yeah, uh, and I really appreciated that because I've seen a lot of movies post this that would view that situation and and do it in a um, kind of crude way i suppose kind of like more more harsh than yeah. yeah yeah it really it really relishes in that in that raw emotion and that melodrama with that plot with that plot line in mind i loved when they were they had the dance in the high school gym how they were like fighting and the principal was like all right laurie and steve mm-hmm. just, you know dance and then they went for it and, and she just they just she, dudes they doing it, it. And she's like yeah go to hell yeah and she's just, hating it so much and in that first scene when they're in the car too uh where uh, Steve is like, I think we should see other people, and you could tell she like gives these uh, these these backhanded remarks, like, "Oh yeah, I think we should see other people." I, I forget verbatim, but yeah. And then she takes a necklace off, and it's just like, "Wow!" Yeah. Like that's like it seems all juvenile. Yeah, now. like, and it's funny because it, it probably seems so important to those characters in the movie at that time. Mm-hmm. But in twenty years, it's like, "Oh ha ha ha!" I right. took the necklace off. It's just like like a big deal at the time. So like the way they mature, I think is. I think that the ending especially reinforces that as being like really bittersweet because it's like in the end will that stuff even really matter? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think <laughs> we 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 brought this up before we started uh, the podcast, but I think it's a really it was a really good choice on them to do or to have this movie set in sixty two like the 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 uh, motto or not motto but like the uh, we were even sixty two the little tagline yeah yeah the yeah. little tagline for that movie. I think that that's a really good choice because it's like they they were just holding on to whatever they had in the past before America turned into a giant shitstorm. For yeah, yeah. Um, I think like that year was the catalyst of that, and like it, there was positive change and there was negative change. Like there was uh, obviously like the civil rights movement was really coming into play in the yeah. mid '60s, but also there was like the assassination of JFK in '63, and then like the Vietnam War. And all this stuff that no one really saw coming just happened. Yeah. I think that for this movie being about, like, holding on to uh, your past and, like, trying to move on, move forward, 
And it's a really good way to set that because you never really know what's going to happen next. Even tomorrow. Yeah. Like let alone 10 years down the road when America is totally different in 72 Mm -hmm. than it was in 62 with the political climate being definitely very different. Yeah. And I think that's so uh, well embodied in Stephen Lloyd's relationship because it's like from the get go, uh, you know, Steve is like when he's talking to. When, when Kurt Anderson is like, okay, he, he received – at the beginning of the movie, he said outside this diner and Kurt and Steve and – That's a great – I love the diner in that movie. Do you know that the uh, that, diner, that diner was the same as the one used in Star Wars 2 Attack of the Clones? Or was it – okay, so was it was it like modeled after that? Modeled, the one, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's like it's CGI. Yeah. But um, Yeah, which I think is awesome because it's the both George Lucas well, – yeah. that's 40 years, 30 years apart – Ish, yeah. 30, yeah. 30-ish. It's definitely, yeah, that was definitely a, a cool callback. Yeah. Me, which I didn't realize because I've been much more aware of Star Wars in my life than I have been of American Graffiti. Yeah. Um, but hold on, where is my dog? She, I think she walked down the uh, hallway. George is over there. I We are recording this at my home studio. My home <laughs> studio. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's in my kitchen, so the acoustics probably aren't like the greatest, but... Uh, but we very, are the greatest. We, but we are the greatest. <laughs> there with us. Uh, anyway, uh, so the beginning of the movie, it's with Kurt and Steve and Terry, and they're all outside of this diner. And Kurt is talking to Terry about like, oh, he's having hesitancies. He he isn't sure if he wants to go to college. Um, and at the end of the movie, he's the one that ends up getting the uh, only one, right? The only one that ends up going to to college of of the two. Yeah. Uh, and Steve is, is really adamant about it. He's like, well, well, we've worked so hard to get here. Uh, like, why don't you want it anymore? And I think that there's a part of Kurt that's like, he, he knows that he's going to be longing for everything else in his past. And I think, I know at least when I went to college, when I left college, there was a lot of memories about high school or not even really memories, but a lot of things that I saw as like missed opportunities. Yeah. And I'm like, what I learned is that you can't, you, you can never dwell on any of those, you know, yeah. you're, you're at the point where you can't move. You, you can only, only move, move forward. forward. You can yeah. only move forward. And, uh, I think a part of you is always going to be like discontent with wherever you are in life. And I think that was, that's very true of Kurt in this movie. And it's something that I could really relate to. Cause like I was going to like my dream school and I, I thought I was going to be really, happy but I was like I was like it was it was a really bittersweet feeling because I'm like I'm gonna leave behind all these memories and I can't I can't go back at all and that was that was a really odd feeling for me even if you live close to your college it's it's still like the emotional barrier that you're crossing you know from 18 going to college going to adult life it's a lot that you leave behind not just like it really means something it means yeah yeah for sure memories emotions friends Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big change, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for that yet or not. I have to, I have to do some searching. I don't think anyone really is. is. I, that's that's a good I, don't, I really don't think anyone is. is. Yeah. And I, I I hope I hope the best for you Thank in that you, transition yeah. though, because it it can be really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um. No, but I think the the unpredictability of it and the unpredictability of your future is so well uh, is so well embodied in the relationship between uh, Steve and Laurie. Because it's like they're uh, flip flopping back and forth between, and this is over. This movie takes place over the course of like one night, one night, yeah, over twelve hours, and there's so much that ends up uh, developing and, and changing over the course of that night. So it's like not only does it 
uh, perfectly symbolized like the highs and lows of teenage melodrama and hormones, but also just like the unpredictability of our future and why we can't just hold on to our past. We have to just keep moving forward and go for the ride as tumultuous and crazy and wild as it is. As Kylo Ren once said, let the past die. Kill it, <laughs> Kill it if, you, if have you have to. Oh my god. The next episode we're going to be recording is going to be a, a, a big Star Wars episode. Oh, nice. We're talking it? about uh, episodes one through nine. and Wow. Yeah. And maybe even the side episodes. But That'll be fun. Yeah. It's a lot to tackle. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a long-ass episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. That, that George Lucas. Yeah, that is. is yeah. Well, yeah, a good portion of those are George Lucas. How do you like Harrison Ford's character in the movie, Bob Falfa? <laughs> I mean, he, he was he really was just more of an extended cameo than than anything. Yeah. And then I guess he is part of the the climax of the movie because he ends up racing um, Milner. Milner. Yeah. Yes. Yes. How many times have you seen this movie? I think three or four. I think three or four. Yeah. yeah. I still don't have the uh, the the names off the top. Oh of my head. yeah, I have to. Refer I uh, looked at all of them today just to make sure that I know you all the names. Them. Yeah, because oh, you came more prepared than I did. Because it wasn't like Marvel movies where it's like Iron Man's obviously the guy wearing the big metal suit. Yeah, you know? it's just like it's just a bunch of high schoolers. Yeah. You can't really talk to people. Yeah, which I th- I think it's great. You know, it's just there's no big action scene. There's no there's no shooting or sword fighting. It's just like a bunch of teens just figuring themselves out. Which I yeah. think is an awesome thing to have a movie about, and it's mm-hmm. kind of. I think maybe less done today with all the CGI effects that we have now is they kind of lose the simplicity. Mm-hmm. I think. I think I've seen I've seen a lot of movies that are that are similar to this. Like I think if you think about, I mean, all like like book smart, I guess is a is a decent comparison because it's just like all these high schoolers trying to figure themselves out. That movie is really good too. If you haven't, I seen, haven't it. seen that one, a bunch of book smart stands and film, and you know, film clubs. <laughs> Who's in it? Uh, Beanie Feldstein, who's uh, Jonah Hill's sister. Okay. Uh, and then Caitlin Dever. Those are the two leads. Gotcha. Uh, oh, oh gets, okay. It's the movie I think that gets, we're talking about. It's the movie that gets compared to Superbad a lot, but it's really not like they're really not. Aren't like, like two college girls like start partying? Two two high school seniors that school seniors. on like the eve of their graduation, like like we worked so hard and we end up ended up in the same places like everyone else did. Yeah. So like let's just party and then it's actually is a really good movie if like i i understand like if you listen to this you probably have seen this already but i think it's it's kind of the, their discovery that like no one is one-dimensional it's like it, it really fleshes out each and every one of the characters that they interact with in a way cool. that i haven't really seen for a coming of age movie probably yeah i think probably even better than american graffiti but you think so yeah oh man those are fighting words jim yeah i, <laughs> I mean it's love it's, american graffiti but i'll, I'll check you're gonna have to check out book smart I, I think harrison ford plays like the coolest characters in all of cinema though like you know <laughs> even though falfa does lose the race he's a great character until then and then yeah. indiana jones of course is amazing han solo is amazing Harrison Ford is a carpenter originally, and then George Lucas yeah. had him on a project, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I act, and Lucas had him try out, and that's how the whole thing started with Harrison Ford and Lucas. I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Humble beginnings. And now he's known, he's best known for the characters that he, he played with George in, Lucas. Jerry's, in George Lucas yeah. movies. He's the highest yeah. grossing bo- box office actor. Like, he's the highest grossing actor of the box office era. I think... He's well deserved. I love Harrison Ford. I think he's yeah. a cool dude. Have you heard about like the call, the call of the wild? That looks movies? so cute. It looks adorable. I know. I kind of can't get over the uh, 
the CGI that it, in the trailer, like the dog looks so. That's fine. Fake. That's fine. It's, it looks like it's going to be a pull in the heartstrings movie. It'll and probably be, it'll probably be one of those. But I'm, I'm I'm a little sick of those movies to be honest. I don't watch. I was too many I was surprised that like Harrison Ford signed on to it because Harrison Ford signs on to nothing anymore. Although he did do Secret Life of Pets too, for some reason. I think that's hilarious. Like he's the last reason, person I'd expect on that movie. He's arguably the only good part about that movie. Did you watch it? Me. Yeah, it's on. Why, why did you watch it? I watched it with my mom on okay. New Year's Eve. That makes sense. Because I was like, "Hey, we should watch Marriage Story," and she's like, "No, that's gonna be really depressing." And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> fine." Secret Life of Pets too. <laughs> did you ever see Marriage Story? No, I don't. I don't uh, know. I don't watch too many movies. I watch like the big ones. What are the What are the big ones? As in like Avengers, The Joker. Let's see what else have I seen? Star Wars. Like I watch the big ones on opening night, or I wait till like they come on Netflix. Gotcha. And then I watch like only like the action movies. <laughs> Which I'm. You got to broaden your range. I know. Kid. I do. I'm a sucker for action movies. <laughs> uh, I, I do need to broaden my range. You're a sucker bit. for action movies, but you love this. So there's a good portion <laughs> a good subject section of non-action movies that you're gonna love because you love this movie and I, I love the culture of america at this time like the car culture and like they just drive for most things just like just driving around their cool cars it was like i kept thinking the second time watching this i'm like how good would a, a double feature be with this and once upon a time in hollywood oh it'd be great because it, it, it would be right similar, into it very similar era yeah most of the movie they're just wandering and driving around in cars and they've both got great, exciting endings. Yeah. Uh, and they're both kind of about, like, the end of an era in a way. So Yeah, because, like, 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 the end yeah. of the, of, uh, what's his name? The DiCaprio's character. Rick I can't Dalton. think of it. Rick Dalton, yeah. The end yeah. of his acting era. And then the end yeah. of Tarantino's oh my God. film career. I really his. hope that's... I talked about this when we did our top ten of Toronto 19 podcast, but I really hope that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his last movie. Isn't, wasn't it... Isn't, isn't his tenth? Was no, his ninth? Was, it's, oh, it's, Kill his, Bill. it's his ninth because he counts Kill Bill as one, as movie. one movie. Why do you think? Like, why do you want it to be his last movie? I think it's just a perfect culmination of everything, because he's always been such a massive film nerd. That movie is a total celebration of all things film so, and cinema, and also just kind of about like the power that cinema has. Because like I think it's really well exemplified in like two scenes featuring Sharon Tate. Or featuring Margot Robbie as Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. which should have gotten a Best Supporting Actress nomination. I haven't seen Bombshell, but fuck, she's so good <laughs> in like the 15 minutes she's in this movie. Yeah. Oh my god. I think like her walking down the street and seeing herself on the poster herself, was, was genius. I seeing herself that. like in the movie theater. Yeah. And everyone was, everyone's laughing like around it's her. Just, and she's she's like, like, so, she's like so proud she's and happy. So it's like such a big pure. You know? mm-hmm. And it's like that's the magic of cinema. And then at the end of the movie, it's like, oh my god, she's alive. She wasn't killed by the Manson family. But that's only what can happen in movies. And yeah. I think that's such a powerful ass ending. And I like it really stuck with me. I love that movie. What would you think of uh, Milner and Carol's dynamic? In the movie, it was it was fun. A lot of the yeah. times, I thought Carol was really annoying. I did too, but I, I mean, really liked I mean, how Milner kind of grew up. Milner Milner was like the total ass for the majority of it. Yeah. Either. So I mean, I don't know. They're, they're both characters I I wasn't super crazy about to be honest. But I liked how Milner learned to put up with her. You know, and they became yeah. friends with them. I think that was cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of a a, a questionable means to an end though because she like or because he i don't even know how old she is and it could be any age like she she, she could be like 
she, 15, maybe 16, I got the impression 17. she was like maybe like 14. Yeah. 14. She, there's like, no yeah, way she was 18. <laughs> but yeah, I think the kiss at the end was kind of like, mm. no, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not oh. talking about that. Cause like he kisses her on like the, the forehead or cheek or something like that. I'm like, okay, that's whatever. It's when it's like before then where he like really just wants her to get home. And obviously he doesn't have those intentions. Yeah, but, but like, he, like the fake sex talk. Yeah. Yeah, that like, was kind of gross. Like yikes, dude. In those only to like, 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 to like scare her off to get her home. Yeah. Which I I get the intention, but that's just not the way, right? very, way of doing it. Yeah. That's ugh. I think I think that's I mean, I get it's it's trying to capture an era and it's trying to capture yeah. how uh, obviously not everything is being endorsed. We we, we talked we talked a lot about that's this true. on the podcast. Like not, like everything, not everything that is being shown is being actually endorsed by the filmmaker. Um, so and I'm not sure reflective of the era. How yeah 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 yeah. Like with something like Wolf of Wall Street, obviously you can't like sugarcoat that, you know. Yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a movie. That is a movie. I <laughs> fucking love that movie. But um, yeah, and I think that that scene is a little bit questionable, and I'm not sure what Lucas's intentions behind that scene were, other than to capture the sleaziness of '60s era dudes. But yeah, that's kind of out there. Yeah, mo- like most of the scenes make sense uh-huh. and kind of are fluid, but that one's kind of like, hold up, that's kind of out there. Yeah, a little, a little, I think a little too far. I think I think that's kind of a similar vein of like uh steve and why am i forgetting their names Lori, steve and Lori, <laughs> uh in the car where he's like uh he's oh, like, yeah. oh, oh he's asked me one last time before i see you like you don't want me to forget you right and i'm like uh don't say that yeah and then she's like just do it if you want to and i'm like no no dude. don't don't do and, that and, and then, but but he, but he did say no i won't right yeah like, no, he's, that's true he but, did, I think he yeah. tried to make amends, but at the same time was like, okay, yeah, y- your lead up with that was not good. <laughs> yeah. What else haven't we talked about? Wolfman Jack. Yes. Yes. That provides probably the best scene in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, so it all kind of starts out with there. It's at like the beginning of the night and Lori and Steve are just driving around with Kurt in the back. <laughs> Curse the third wheels. Hang Curse out. the third wheel. I've been there. We all have. <laughs> and Kurt sees this woman in uh, the a back white T-bird. In a white T-bird. <laughs> uh, and she she mouths to him, I love you. And he freaks out and is like, that's the most gorgeous, beautiful creature. Someone out there wants seen. me. <laughs> um, and so kind of the plight of Kurt is trying to find this woman all night. And then that eventually leads him to discovering that, A, she's a prostitute. <laughs> Uh, and B, he wants to try to relay this message on the Wolfman Jack show. And Wolfman Jack was a, a really legendary, legendary, legendary yeah. DJ slash broadcaster in that era uh, who makes an appearance in this movie. Which is awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. And it was a great scene, too. Like not, like, not just the cameo, but his whole point was yeah. meaningful. Mm-hmm. So it eventually leads him to try to relay this message uh, on the Wolfman Jack show. Uh, throughout the entire duration of the movie, they talk about Wolfman Jack as like sort of this like guy who's like travels the world and is in a is in a plane that circles around the world. Yeah, um, the crazy adventures of Wolfman Jack. The crazy adventures of Wolfman Jack, and so they, it, he's almost like a he's almost like a modern myth in a way. 
He's like he's he's ever present throughout the entirety of the movie. There's like like little snippets he has on the radio. It's like yeah, because this movie is like a song is brought out to you know so and so, and then he has a little tangent, and then there's right. a little Wolfman laugh, which is pretty funny. It was because because it's like everyone is driving down the road and they have their radios blaring, and so it's he he always is pretty much always there. This movie yeah. is. Doesn't have a score, but it has just a string of a bunch of sixties bangers, like surf rock bangers, which I love. I love the surf scene music. Yeah, I'm not like crazy familiar with a bunch of the songs, but like like the Beach Boys stuff. I'm sure you're the Beach Boys stuff. I've I've heard. Yeah, yeah. No, but anyway, eventually culminates in him trying to relay this message on the radio on the Wolfman Jack show. So this woman eventually hears it and he goes into the office and he sees Wolfman Jack and he's like, are you Wolfman Jack? He's like, no, he just like stops by and drops tapes off. He just drops tapes off. And so he plays with one of the tapes and it's the, it's, it's Wolfman Jack's voice. And he gives this anecdote about Wolfman Jack and about himself. And Wolfman Jack is out there uh, traveling the world and going crazy places. And he tells Kurt, like, oh, you, like, be more like Wolfman Jack and not like me. Go yeah. out and travel. Because he, he was informing him of his dilemma about he doesn't know if he wants to go to college still. There's still a part of him that's holding back. Eventually, he tells him that and hands him a popsicle and says, like, you, d- you don't want to end up being me. Like, and, stuck in this small radio shack in a dinky little town. Like, I go out and eating, do something. Eating popsicles. Eating go melted out. popsicles. And then... He leaves the room after this goodbye. He exits the room and looks back, and you see, you see him, and he's actual Wolfman Jack, and he's doing the voice and he's making a recording. So yeah. it's just like, so I guess it was like the Lady in the White T Bird, yeah, or whatever. That was really cool. No, and it's it's almost just like, it's really bittersweet and almost like kind of tragic because it's just like this guy is providing you know entertainment to to the whole nation, everybody, but he's just this guy. That's just locked up in a, in a shack, recording that all day. Um, I think it's too bad that radio culture has kind of died. Yeah. Like, with Spotify and everything, yeah. like, no one could go to the radio anymore. I think it's a great platform. Mm-hmm. Just, like, how it's used in the movie. It's, like, all driving down Main Street, having the radio mm-hmm. cranked. I think it's yeah. a really cool experience. Because that culture, is it's just gone. It's gone. It's just There's gone like, no, no one drives us to drive anymore. Yeah. And if you're listening to something on... You know, your your drive to work. You're listening to Spotify. You're listening to a podcast. You're yeah. listening to so something it's like, of your own choosing. Yeah, I think, I think seeing yeah, because it, it, the broad range of, of entertainment options has you know exponentially increased. It's not just radio. So it's like yeah. it's like that market is completely dead, and it's 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 really sad to see this person that was like once a legend. so you know revered, and it's like he like his work is almost like obsolete, but like you could still remember him through this medium, you know? And I think that's speaks not only to like the, just to make, make the most out of your present day and, and to seek out the future, but also just to just how unpredictable it is, you know, cause yeah. one day you could be great and the next day no one remembers you. Well, so cares, I think it's, yeah. yeah, I think it's just all about trying to forge your own legacy. Yeah. And it, it's a, cool balance between holding on to your past and looking to the future because Kurt the whole movie he's he's 18 right going to college but mm-hmm. he tells everyone and their mother about him going to college or not he talks to the gang members about it, he talks to Wolfman Jack about it it's like the child unsecure part of him is still trying to like reach out to an adult for guidance mm-hmm. so he's still trying like, like holding on to his past like maybe immature instead of being 
the mature adult to make the decision. Because mm-hmm. I, I think he tells like every character, pretty he much meets, everybody, everyone, yeah. everyone he meets about the yeah. about his decision. Yeah. <laughs> even even the pharaohs that yes. was kind of interesting. Yes, yes, the gang yes. members. Yeah. Did you like Toad, the uh, Terry? Yeah, he's he's very um very pleasantly awkward. I, I think he's probably. <laughs> I think the best character in the movie. Yeah? Because, I mean, just... He tries so hard to be cool. You know, like, he gets that car from... I think this is Steve. He it is borrows Steve. Steve's car, yeah. and then... Everyone still calls him a dork, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he meets this girl who, like, everyone's trying to, like, catcall and go after. And then she's like, oh, yeah, Terry, you're cute. And then they end up hanging out all night. So, mm-hmm. like, he's the kind of guy that, like, tries to fit in really hard, but can't quite do it. Mm-hmm. And then he just totally, like... Scores with this girl, but right. that's that's what's so you know earnest, yeah, and, and, and real about him, yeah. Although like, it almost because at the end of the night it, re- it reveals that you know he shouldn't have lied about everything, having mm-hmm. a four wheel jeep and and hunting, hunting, and, and and having four being, horses, that and, being his actual car. But he ended up you know forming a connection, even like once he revealed himself to be his true self, you know. Yeah. Um, and he, he seemed to be like like the outcast of their little friend group, mm-hmm. like the kind of guy who like legs behind everywhere. But it's it cool seeing him kind of fake confidence and then actually earn that confidence. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. he's like, oh, I have horses, I hunt, I have a jeep, mm-hmm. and then by the movie's like, oh yeah, I actually like am fairly yeah. self sure now. I think it's a plot line that could have been kind of problematic, but it doesn't really end up being that yeah. because it, it's it's like he ends up. It's very much like a self-actualization movie. Like he ends up realizing that he's good how he is. He's a nice he's, guy, and he should recognize well, himself for that. Let's rephrase that. Okay. Because part yeah, of the reason fair, I was saying it might fair. be problematic is because he is one of those quote-unquote nice guys. The but nice guys finish last. I get that. Yeah. But it's also just like he ends up you know, being okay with who he is, and he ends up forming a connection over the it. Kind of awkward, kind of nerdy. Yeah. Yeah. Did you expect the race to end like that with the, the crashed Impala? Did you? <laughs> I mean, I watched, it, I watched it when I was like seven or eight, so I kind of I knew what happened. Oh. But um, I don't know. Bob Falfa kind of talks trash the entire movie and then is about to win and then crashes. I think it was kind of like a missed opportunity. I think if he had won the race, mm-hmm. it could have expanded on Steve Miller's character a lot. Not Steve Miller. What's his name? Milner? Milner. I think, yeah, that's his last name, but... um. Because Milner talks about, like, oh, yeah, I was losing that race. So mm-hmm. I think it would have been interesting to see what happened if he had lost. Because there's no chance of him going to college. I think he's going to stay and work in the mechanic shop. So I don't like that would have done to his self-esteem if he had lost that race. Because he, like, is the proclaimed champion of the valley for winning every race. Mm-hmm. So it would be cool to see what happened if he had lost. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, how do you feel about the end cards where it, you know, mentions, like... Was it the first movie to do that? Oh, I don't know. I, I think it was one of the first... It's it's interesting. It's an interesting choice if it had if it had been because I feel like you see a lot of that stuff in like biopics. Yeah, especially at the, at the end of biopics, and this it almost is framing it as a biopic, as if these are real people. And I think that's a really interesting thing because there's a there's a real sense of authenticity to, to this movie because like nothing crazy happens. Yeah, n- not yeah. It's it nothing it, crazy. It literally is just like a like a coming a, coming of age movie following all these high school students. Yeah. Because like that could happen in Kent, you know, like apart from the radio and the main street neon signs, you know, mm-hmm. just cruising the loop. But everything's possible. Yeah, 
No, that again, that's adding to the theme of just the future being yeah. so unpredictable. Like I think it I think it, it shows like the main four guys and it's like Milner uh was killed by a drunk driver like two years later and Terry um, ends up in the Terry, arm, sur- arm services, right? No, I think Terry ends up like going missing. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And then um Kurt's Steve, a writer. Kurt's a writer in Canada and Steve ends up being like an insurance broker or something yeah, in like California. that. Yeah. yeah. Which you could see all the characters ending up like that. Yeah. Besides Terry. That one was kind of weird. I don't know. I could kind of see it though. <laughs> I, I, I could <laughs> see it. Honest. He like talks his away in some like crazy situation and then, I don't know, but. Yeah. I, I'll have to actually look into that because I'm not sure if that's one of the first movies that has done that or not. I, that thing was well done and like I didn't expect the movie to end. Uh-huh. As, it ends pretty abruptly. Yeah. Like, the plane takes off, and it's, like, pretty much over. And Kurt is looking out the window, just like having one last glance. <sighs> and then I think the uh, Steve's car is driving along the street. I think that yeah. kind of, not necessarily following the plane, but trying to have one last look at Kurt before he goes away. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think- love the Americana culture, like... Mm-hmm. The 60s, neon signs, those cars are beautiful. They are beautiful cars, for sure. Um, someone in Spokane owns the Impala. That um, Bob Falfa drove. Really? Yeah, that's, that's pretty close. Pretty close by. <laughs> I, I love it. I love George Lucas. I love Harrison Ford. I love cars. It's and now it means more to me that I'm entering that phase of my life, the growing up and looking back on the past. So mm-hmm. it hit home a lot harder this time when I watched it. Instead of like when I was like eleven or twelve, I'm like, oh, my dad likes. So I'll watch it too. And I'm like, eh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like watching it again, I'm like, wow, this is yeah, pretty pretty powerful. It isn't intense, but it's powerful kind of crazy how in this stage of your life like when you're 17 18 about to graduate from high school like not only do movies like this impact you so much more but movies in general impact you so much more than when you were younger yeah because they're much more underlying themes i recognize now like like talking to you about it you definitely understand the background of it i guess like you're talking about the 60s in america Mm -hmm. and that makes so much sense for that movie you know like the Mm -hmm. on the brink of kind of chaos in america yeah like an uncertain future, like me, college is un- like an uncertain future. So that's a yeah, very good for sure no, observation. It, it is. Well, I mean, obviously, it isn't. It is an analogy for like yeah. moving on to college, but it is yeah. like a great movie for that stage to represent that stage in, in everyone's life. As is as is Booksmart. I think. Okay, go check out Booksmart. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I think that that this movie it hits it hits pretty hard a lot yeah. of times. I guess like a couple of the things that we talked about are a little dated about it, but I think overall there's still that great universality to its themes and what it's talking about, what it's going for. And I think the performances are all really good. The dialogue yeah. is like great. Do you know who plays Steve? It's Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It's Ron Howard. Yeah. Who eventually went on to freaking make a Star Wars movie. Which one did he make? He, he, uh, he did Solo. He took over for okay. Solo. Okay. Yeah. Which is crazy. It all goes back. It does. It all goes back to George Lucas. But it's speaking of George Lucas, it's like that's crazy because it's like oh, the dialogue in the prequels is so bad. It is bad. I but, love the prequels, but it's bad. Like it's going for Shakespearean, and uh, it just kind of ends up at Neil Breen. I don't know. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And no, I, but like it's it's so uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it's like really corny. A lot of it's really, really cool. Yeah, but, but it's like also it's, reflective it's, of that teenagers, era. Yeah, I think and can, of, of that lingo, I guess, of that, um, like the the rad and the bitchin'. Yeah, yeah. 
a lot of bitching. I think it can relate to at least one character at all times in the movie. For sure. Like in, in their quest of maturing over this one chaotic night, I think you can mm-hmm. relate to one person at least. Which I, is, think, really I think cool. even if you can't like relate to everybody, you can understand everyone's perspective. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um, and it didn't feel like it was four separate movies or like four separate plot lines because they, they all like weaved in and out of each other really well. Like, uh-huh. like Kurt going off on his adventure to find the girl in the white T-bird and the yeah. Pharaoh gang and then coming back to the group was like, it wasn't a separate story. It was very blended. Right. Right. Um, oh, dude. As with... We didn't mention the uh, the teacher at the dance with the uh, with the high school girls. Oh, God. That, that scene, line I, that I, I cringed. Like, you sexy girls. Oh. I'm like, you can't say that. Yes, I dude, don't. <laughs> I cr- dude, that was, that was hard to watch. Good thing that in this era that we live in... It's reported. <laughs> high schoolers... <laughs> That or high school's teachers that are low key predators, you know, <laughs> get what's coming to them. Are filtered out very easily yes. and Thank sentenced, God. which is good. Thank God. And it was only a line, but man had some bad intentions with that yeah. line, you could tell. And I don't think, once again, I don't think George did it to be creepy. I think it was re- reflective of, of the era, yeah. which I think he did a really good job of mm-hmm. doing without being too controversial. But get yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is a movie where when you watch it, you, you, uh, you're allowed to take away like messages from it, but you also have to understand that it's made in a certain era. About a different about era. About a different era. Yeah. So made in 73, you, about 62. It's a yeah, lot of you layers of... Yeah, because there's a lot of... A lot of so I, I always like to think that that film is a reflection of like our modern social and political landscape. Uh, so it's like... There obviously was a lot of bad shit going on in the early 70s, and there was a lot of bad shit that was going on and continued to go on after 62, so yeah. you have to understand that that cultural and historical context, I think. It goes for all movies, but like especially ones like this where you look back on it and you're trying to take something away from it, but not everything is like – not everything presented is you know great, is, is positive, so – yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think overall it's a really, really good coming of age story. And George Lucas, where, <laughs> where'd you go? <laughs> I know. Where'd what's you go, he done? Man? Uh, I know he executive produced a movie, like in a weird animated movie. Oh, he was like wonderful magic. Strange, Strange magic. magic or something yeah. like that. Um, I which, guess he wants to return to Lucasfilm to be in control of Star Wars. I yeah, I I, uh, I heard about that. I think that would be interesting to give him more control over a Star Wars movie or something. I don't know what he he what what his intentions are, but he's I don't the want him reason. writing dialogue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if he if he directs or if he has multiple co writers, cool. Yeah. But yeah, I think if he uh, you know presents the story by someone else, write the script. Yeah, like, I believe. Because this this could be way off. Oh, okay, wait. So there's there's three writing credits on this. So George Lucas is one of them, and then Gloria Katz and and Willard Hyuk. Good old Willard Hyuk. That's his name. Yeah, it is. Or Hyuk? Hyuk? Something. <laughs> I just feel like Goofy saying that. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, Goofy's like, <laughs> Hyuk? <laughs> okay. Um, no, so I, yeah, I think George Lucas is definitely a stronger director than he is a writer. Yeah. I think that's, that's been proven. Yeah. Um, so wasn't Empire written? Not Emp- well, Empire wasn't directed by him. Empire was directed by Irvin Kirshner. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. he was 
wasn't the story roughly made by Lucas? Well, let's see his writing credits. I believe... Okay, yeah. So, for Star Wars... Star Wars A New Hope was written by... Uh, was written by him. But mm-hmm. I know that behind the scenes, uh, a lot of like the actors really like made fun of <laughs> him for his dialogue. And like I know that Harrison Ford and, and Mark Hamill would give him a lot of shit for it. Um, and would just make up their own dialogue and it would be so much better. Yeah. Um, but... Mark Hamill is amazing. Yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> um... But Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Or I guess Return of the Jedi was written by him? Let's see. Okay, Return of the Jedi was... He he made the story for it, and then it was co-written by him and Lawrence Kasdan. Which makes sense, because that's the worst of the original trilogy. My it's favorite. my favorite of the original trilogy, and I love the prequels. <laughs> I'm not sure why I'm bashing on him now. Okay. Okay, I'm not trying to. Um, and, <laughs> no, then, and then, and then same... It's, it's sort of similar with... Um, with Empire, like the the screenplay was written by two different people, but George Lucas did the story and directed by somebody else. And I think George Lucas is really good at writing stories and telling stories, but the means to get there, like with dialogue and with like realistic character motivations, is not his strong suit. Agreed. And I think that him having multiple co co writers on this project really helped elevate that because bad writing. Uh, it impacts everything. It, it, it kills the movie. It kills. Ev- that's my main issue with Joker, is that 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 script is so messy and so. It is. Yeah. Yeah, and that, it, it sucks to see like everything. Not saying that this is a direct parallel with like all of his movies, because I think the prequels have a lot of issues. But but like it sucks to see when the writing is the biggest issue of a movie because it's just yeah. like that's the one crucial element, and you got everything else right. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, okay. Going back on that though. Okay. I really, I really do like Revenge of the Sith a hell of a lot. It's like, that movie's movie. really good. I watch it way too much. I, I watch the YouTube poops for those movies <laughs> so often. They're so fucking. Funny. I'm sure they are, but it, it sets up the original trilogy so well. I see, like the yeah. Obi Wan Darth Vader fight is so much sadder after you watch Revenge of the Sith because yeah, you know you're my brother Anakin. I loved you. It's like, and then now Darth Vader kills him. It's like, yeah. okay, that's it's a lot more powerful. Mm-hmm. What do you, I don't know if we ever talked about it. What were your thoughts on episode nine? <laughs> the first, I watched it three times in theaters, right? Really? I saw opening night. I loved it. Second time, not so much. Third time, I don't really like it anymore. I just... That is like... <sighs> I really want to like it because I hated Last Jedi. Which I know you love Last Jedi. Best one. <laughs> it's not the, it's best the best one. one. <laughs> okay, honestly, Rogue One is the best one. No. Rogue One is amazing. <laughs> Let's not get into Rogue, this. Okay. Let's not get Rogue into One's this. Rogue One is the best one. Let's not get into this. <laughs> I'll, 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 nine is fine. It, my big complaint with it is that you could watch the new trilogy, so seven, eight, and nine, and totally skip the original trilogy, and it's the same storyline. I disagree with that. How? We'll get into it at another point. Okay. I think we need to wrap up this podcast pretty soon. But <laughs> American Graffiti. This has been American Graffiti. Woo! Where were you in 62? N- not, not even a thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> what? Ne- negative 38? <laughs> yep. Um, 
Okay, so yeah, this has been American Graffiti. I almost said American Psycho. This has also been American Graffiti. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you, Joey. Yeah, I like having my own man. I thank you, Mister Joey that. Franklin, for the, being on this podcast. The Robert Reese School. I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> it means a lot. Um, thank you for joining me in my home studio. Anytime. <laughs> I'd love to come back. Um, yeah, no, I, I think if you want to talk about Rango. Like, uh, possibly. I was going to say THX. Yeah. Because I still haven't seen one. that. I haven't either. Yeah. Then uh, we'd love to have you back again. If you're listening to this podcast, you already know this, but you can check us out on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. And you can check out our Facebook page for more news and information at UW Film Club. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. See you guys. <laughs>